Thoughts on Composition. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and I'm currently in the process of, what do I say, redesigning and refreshing the course material, the workshop material for a Wild Eye Photography workshop that I'll be hosting in the Massamara in about five weeks, six weeks from now. Now, the one thing that I always kind of get stuck on, just, just thought-wise, is when I sit down to produce new educational content, especially photography-wise, you kind of look and see, okay, cool, what is the thing, what is the variable that we can focus on that'll make the biggest difference to someone's photography? Now, so many people, too many people, a lot of people, they focus so heavily on the technical side of it, shutter speed, aperture, uh, ISO, what mode do you shoot in? I shoot manual because this, that, the other. Doesn't matter. It honestly does not matter what mode you shoot in. Nobody, nobody can see, looking at an image, what mode you shot in. So there is no right answer. Obviously, we'd say don't shoot in in, in auto, because then you're giving a lot of control away, things that you could use. Don't shoot in program, the P on your camera. Uh, it's kind of a prohibited as well. It's not for professional. But those are the things people seem to want to focus on because you can quantify it. You can break it down and say a shutter speed of 1 over 1,000 will be sharper than a shutter speed of 1 over 30th, whatever the case might be. So in this upcoming workshop, I am not going to be focusing on the technical variables at all. Now, I've been looking deep into, into the composition side of things. And and yes, yeah, sorry, let me just backtrack there. I have done, and you can find this on YouTube, uh, a presentation in the US a couple of times called the Technically Creative Wildlife Photography. Now, because if you want to start getting creative, i.e. slow shutter speeds, depth of field, um, motion blurs, panning and stuff like that, then you need to understand the technical side in order to execute against the creative but even that is 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 something that a lot of people then get stuck on because they get so focused on okay i'm gonna pan but what shutter speed should i use and and shouldn't i be faster and what should my aperture be no the focus on that thing is the panning exercise itself the other thing is just the tools you use if you're putting a nail into a wall you're not worrying about the hammer and how the hammer's feeling and focusing on the hammer. You're focusing on using the hammer to put the nail into the wall. That is where you execute. So for this particular workshop that I'm doing, I am going to focus exclusive, almost exclusively on composition. Now, let's talk about the rule of thirds for a second. Yes, it works. Yes, it creates dynamic images, if you will. And it pushes people's attention to where it should be on the PowerPoint, blah, blah, blah. I still maintain it should be called the guideline of thirds, not the rule. Because the moment you say rule to photographers who are technically minded, that becomes the gospel. That is the only thing that matters. Now, the rule of thirds is not always right. There it is. It's not always right. Sometimes the rule of thirds is a good guideline to start from, but then you need to look at how your image feels, how the image reads, how someone will see your image, right? Now, let's just look at something very basic, for example. So in the rule of thirds, it's often said that you should never, ever, ever put something 
in the middle of your frame. Why not? Why not? I know a lot of you technically minded folk out there are not thinking, oh my God, Jerry, how dare you say that? No, absolutely. Sometimes the middle of a frame can work as well. Now, a central composition where you put something in the middle of the frame is probably the most simple placement you can have as long as the image still feels balanced, right? Like if you have a crap ton of wildebeest on the one side, but you put the zebra in the middle and there's nothing on the other side, it's going to feel unbalanced, right? But a good central composition in your frame can feel, it's a very powerful thing if you pull it off. It gives a sense of calm because of the balance side to side. It's static, there's no movement because you're not leaving negative space for the thing, the animal, whatever, to move into or out of. And it's pretty direct. You're saying, there it is. This is the middle of the frame. So there's no doubt when you put something in the middle of the frame, what it is you're trying to show, right? Now, a lot of people will say, oh, yes, but it's boring and there's nothing interesting to it and so on and so forth. But you're not always going to just put the sun in the dead center of the frame. There's going to be more. You might have, a, okay, sun is a bad example. No, maybe not. You can have clouds as leading lines, leading the viewer to the middle of the frame. Symmetry, if you have the same feel and the same balance on both sides of the frame, it could still work really, really well. What about light and shadows? Maybe that's a good way to kind of, um, to kind of lead the viewer to the middle of the frame, have a nice static image that's simple and to the point. I'm just giving you guys a second to breathe, some of you who believe so heavily in the rule of thirds. Now, one of the other things that we often say, and I've heard this so many times in Safari when people photograph, um, when people photograph giraffes specifically, because they say, oh, no, 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 you can't, you've got to change the angle because the horizon is cutting the animal's head off, right? That's cool, that's cool, but let's, let's flip this around. If you have a very strong horizon cutting through the image. Imagine this for me. It's a portrait orientation image. There's a giraffe in it. His head stops at the just below the, the top line of the rule of thirds. And above that then, because we didn't want to have the horizon cut his neck off, just above his head, the horizon cuts through the frame. Do you hear what I just said? The horizon cuts through the frame or cuts the frame. It separates it into different pieces. Right? So unless the horizon is a very important part of your story, why not break it up? Why not break up that horizon in order to kind of make it less obvious? So by all means, let the giraffe's head go through it. Because the focus is the giraffe, not the horizon. Okay? What often happens is people don't pay attention to that horizon line at all. Forget about it splitting the frame in two, but they don't pay attention to the horizon line. And an animal's head or a tree or whatever your subject is, is often really close to the top of the horizon, but it doesn't cut it. Now that creates tension with a viewer because they're going to look at this and think, that doesn't feel right because the horizon, if I follow the line of the horizon, my eye suddenly jumps to the giraffe and it comes down. It just doesn't feel right. But the moment you then break the horizon on purpose, the thing in the front, the thing that's breaking the horizon is the thing that becomes the focus so the horizon doesn't chop your frame into pieces anymore. Get it? It's a big thing. And these things, you, you pop the rule of thirds on top of this and it becomes a very difficult thing to reconcile because the rule of thirds make you place things on lines. Nah. Now, 
another thing that I've been, I've been doing a lot of reading and research and stuff. So shapes, right? Psychologically, as people, we like to see shapes, circles, triangles, squares. I mean, I know I do it kind of kind of consciously. When I see something, I'll see, oh, look, there's the pattern. Clouds, specifically, I see, ooh, there's a triangle. Those lines, ooh, look, there's a kind of a circle or an oval, whatever the case is. But we should pay, maybe pay attention to this in our images as well. Like, for example, rectangles and square, very strong, solid, stable shapes. Maybe that's a theme that you can put into your images, right? Maybe if you can compose somehow and there's a circle or an elliptical shape, that's more a feeling of harmony and safety because it's a closed circle, right? So, for example, I'm trying to think here. If you're photographing from an from a elevated landscape looking down onto an open plain, if you ever heard of a wildebeest going and there's somehow a shape with the herd that is circular, it feels kind of harmonious. It feels, okay, this is cool. The other main shape, and this has been mentioned in compositional ideas in the past, is triangles. Now, a triangle, if you're doing mountains or if you're doing animals walking towards you, it does create a visual triangle as a two-dimensional shape. Think about it. One line in front, two behind. Looking at that with your eyes means there's depth. Looking at it on an image which just flips upside as a two-dimensional image, there is a triangle, right? Now, triangles often is, is if you go back, it's a sense of kind of tension or aggression or hard or almost like attack. It's a very very strong visual element that can either be used in your in your frame to enhance conflict or to take it away if you're repeating them. Yeah. So if you're looking at your images and you can see shapes, think of what the shape does psychologically and how we perceive it and how that could pull through to your frame. Like if you're photographing mountains, for example, I'm thinking Iceland, the amount of repetition of triangles is quite absurd. It's all over. But through the viewfinder, we don't see it. So what I did on my last trip to Iceland is we would drive, and as I saw a, a repetition of a triangle or something, I would take a picture with my iPhone, and then in the vehicle while we're driving, I would draw the triangles and the shapes on there to show people. And it's such a thing that when you see to someone, look at the mountain, can you see it? And it's like, no, I'm not sure, I can't understand, or whatever the case is. There it is. And the moment you see it, it becomes real. So those are just, I mean, just some thoughts here. Some of the other things I'm going to be playing with is filling the frame more. So as wildlife photographers, we often fill the frame too much on portraits, but we don't fill the frame enough when it comes to more environmental shots. Now it's very difficult for me to explain this to you on the podcast. For those of you coming to the workshop, you'll, you'll get it easy. But yeah, that's it. Filling the frame more. Light and shadow. I don't think we pay enough attention to light and shadow. I really don't. People often focus so heavily on where they place the subject that they don't, well, they fail to recognize that the dark shadow that is falling off to the right and extends through the frame is a much stronger visual element than the actual thing itself. It's important, right? Visual flow, I've spoken about this a lot. Like what is visual mass and visual energy? How does it flow through the frame? Point of ten, off-center composition. There's a time and a place to go off-center with your composition. And in wildlife photography, it's very often based on the direction that the animal is looking in or the the direction in which it might move, right? But the 
what we must also think of then is how it gets read is if you place the subject, the thing that you want people to look at off center, understand that the, the, if you put your, your subject off center to the left, the big ass space on the right has a lot of visual space for the eyes to rest. So people might spend time there, right? So it's often when you're placing things off center, especially if it's a, a more static, like a tree or a, or a lion looking at you or in a landscape, it might be worth combining leading lines in the big area that leads you to the subject which is off center. Now, people don't often see these lines. It could be shadows, it could be shapes, it could be fluffy clouds. They're always there, but we are, not we, some of us, some of you, are so blinded by the rule of thirds that you don't see it. You just slap the thing on the PowerPoint and that's it. The one thing, and this is where, with my workshop, where I'm gonna kind of sum it up from, is the way that we look at an image and how things, and I'm gonna use things for now, it's a technical term, varies through the frame. Shadow, light, the direction of the sun. So the, the, the textures. So in one of my presentations, and if you find that technical creative wildlife photography one on YouTube, you'll see it's, you look at something, and from a composition point of view, you shouldn't be looking at, your camera doesn't know that you're looking at the Mara River with two wildebeest and one crocodile and the sky in the back, right? But we think like that. So maybe from a composition point of view, we almost need to go more, more. what's, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I almost want to say non, more, more less technical, more less subject driven and look at it as elements in the frame. What's the first element is the river. Second element, elephant, element need more coffee. The second element would be the two wildebeest. Third element, the croc. Fourth element, the sky. Now, I do that already when I teach for, uh, uh, photographers uh, Lightroom and Photoshop because in there, you can put a brush on each of those and you can, like a conductor, you can conduct and push and pull tones forward and back. But if you can start seeing this in your frame, when you look through the viewfinder and you can see transitions of light, transitions of shapes, transitions in your, 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 your frame of, for example, colors, of sharpness. The closer something is, depending on the aperture you use, the further back something goes, it gets more and more out of focus. That's a transition from front to back. If the sun, for example, is shining into your frame and it's just out of frame, you're gonna have very intense light on the top right corner where my sun is and it fades across. It's almost like you wanna put a graduated filter from where the, the specific variable starts, drag it across the frame, and then it minimizes away from it. What that does is it raises the importance of the thing that you're looking for, color, shape, texture, whatever it is, and then it fades away. And there's just not one in a frame, there's many. But if we can start thinking like that, and by combining all these other things, I think we can make stronger images. I've said this before, people who focus too heavily on the technical often are just worried about how sharp it is. No, John, if you're shooting at one over a thousand and it's sharp, it's not gonna be more sharp at one over 8,000. You can't be half pregnant or more pregnant. If you're pregnant at a thousandth of a shutter speed, you're not gonna be more pregnant at one over 8,000. But this seems to be what people focus on, sharper, sharper, sharper. So you got shit image, crappy subject, and just basically a shit show of composition, but at least it's sharp. The world doesn't need sharper images. We need better images 
images. I'll say that again. The world does not need sharper images. We need better images. And that is not going to happen by focusing more on the technical of our craft. Pause for effect because it's important. We need to focus more on the composition. We need to focus more on the creative, the reading of images. And creative now, I'm not even meaning panning or motion blurs. I'm purely thinking of how do you put things in the frame that your viewer looks at and how do they perceive it? Anyway, so that's me. That's what I'm working on currently. I am going to get that ready in the next week or so. Um, and I will then be ready to host that towards the end of November. Super excited. It's a bit of a departure from what I've done in the past, but I'm finding a lot of, 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 of almost inspiration and new ideas coming from it because I just think we as wildlife photographers are often too one-dimensional with how we compose. We get so flabbergasted with the amazing lion sighting that the, everything else goes out the window. We think if you just slap the subject dead center and there it is, hey, wait, let's zoom closer and closer. Let's get more blood on his mane. Let's get closer to the eye. It makes it a better image. No, it does not. It does not. You still have to tell the visual story within the frame. And that's what I've been speaking about this entire 18 minutes or something so far. Anyway, more updates on this in the future. If you guys have any questions on composition or thoughts, you can hit me up on social media, Jerry Van Vault on all the platforms, or you can drop me an email, Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, at wildeye.co.za. That's wildeye, two words with a dash in between, .co.za. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for lending me your ears. Good luck, happy shooting, and I will see you in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one. <laughs>